Welcome. When this airs, it will be right after Thanksgiving. And I sure hope everyone has had a great Thanksgiving. In last week's episode, we talked about my daughter's decision not to go into, quote unquote, the family business of show business. I am about to talk with a good friend of mine and one of my oldest friends, Denise Went Carey. And Denise's daughter is looking into joining her family business. And we'll talk about why. But before I do, I just want to talk about the holidays. Holidays are coming. Next week, it'll be December. How's everyone doing? I know that this is not an easy time for some of us. I just think that there is so much going on, but yet the last couple of years have taught us that less is more. So I'm hoping that you all find a balance. I have made the choice to go visit my daughter during the holidays, and that's where I'll be. And stepping out of my own home and comfort zone will be great. I tend to overshop and buy too many things. I'm in the process of decluttering. I'm selling some of my prized vintage collection because a couple of things. I go out, but I don't need 50 outfits anymore. I'll keep a few really prized outfits and that's it. And I'll wear them for the next few years. I don't need closets and closets full of clothes. So that's one thing. The other thing is I'm just ready to simplify. And simplification is not easy during the holidays. So I'm going to focus on visiting my daughter, eating some delicious food, walking around her college town, and just visiting, spending time. I love you. It's so nice to see you. I'm going to introduce you. What are some of your credits? I know Chorus Line. What Mm -hmm. other? You did Joseph, right? Joseph. I did Chorus Line twice. I did Joseph. I did quite a few summer stock productions for Gateway Candlewood Playhouse. I was Mallory in City of Angels. Okay. I was the soubrette in Sugar Babies. The soubrette, Ooh. that's what you call it, is the soubrette. I did Gypsy, Oklahoma, in the ensemble for them. Something else I did for them ensemble, didn't I? Shoot, I can't remember now. And of course, I started out doing non-union bus and truck. I did Chorus Line, 42nd Street in My Fair Lady. I was I was Anytime Annie in 42nd Street, and I was Val in Chorus Line. And that's how I got my start out in New York, was I had moved to New York, and within I auditioned for a production of Chorus Line. Bobby Longbottom was directing. This was pre-sideshow. Bobby Longbottom was the director. And it was a Jeffrey Moss National Touring Musicals non-union one-nighter bus and truck. And I got the role of Val. So yeah. Welcome to the podcast. I was going to introduce you, but you did a pretty good job of giving us your bio. So welcome. (laughs) You and I have been friends. If we're allowed to count cruise ships and theme parks, but... Of course. Of course, you're allowed to count cruise ships and theme parks. Listen, any job that we get where we are performing for a living... It's valid. It counts. I have listeners all over the spectrum here. I've got young students. I've got post-college. I've got in college. And everyone loves the information. So I'm so happy you're here. I asked you for a specific reason because last week's episode, I talked to my daughter and she explained how she decided not to become a performing artist or a stage manager or a film filmmaker. And your daughter 
is going a different way. She's choosing to join the quote unquote family business. She is. Your husband has had many jobs in the industry. What's his current position? His current position is technical director and production carpenter for the Coming to New York production of Paradise Square, a new Broadway musical that is currently in previews in Chicago at the Nederlander Theater there. Oh, he's not with Lion King anymore? No, he was with Lion King since 2003, which is, ooh, let's add that up, 13, uh, what was that, 17 years? 16 years. 17. 17 yeah. years. Yeah, 17 years. And it's kind of his position as technical director for all of their international productions is basically winding down because they're opening a production in Paris right now. But he really didn't have a future after that because there are no new productions on the horizon. Yeah. So he had to start looking. He was uh, asked to do this new show in Chicago. Wow. And now hopefully we'll be coming into New York in January. That sounds kind of cool. And how did you and Michael meet? We met on the tour of 42nd Street. I was Anytime Annie and he was this production stage manager. So Maybe. let's talk about your beautiful daughter, Elise, and yeah. tell I mean, I should probably speak to her, her herself and I would love to, but I thought I would touch base with you. What made, like, are you cool with taking her around to all these schools? Are you okay with her wanting a musical theater degree? Because some parents are like, yeah, do it. And some parents are like, um, I'm both because yeah, do it. I support her a hundred percent because I love, love, love everything about theater. I love doing shows and I would hate for her to not get to experience what I've experienced. And of course her experience will be different no matter what everybody's is, but I would hate to be the person to keep her from having that experience. However, at the same time, I know what it's like. And it's terrifying to think of the rejection she'll have to go through. Because no matter how talented you are, you're going to get rejected for at least, you know, every third audition. The rejection, the the self-loathing, the, the constant judgment. And even though it's not malicious judgment, it's strictly casting judgment. Sometimes that gets to you, you know, and, the, and it's hard. It's a hard business to go from the best job and all the money coming in. And eight months later, Later, when your tour is over, or your show closes, you don't know where that other job is coming from. You can go to audition after audition after audition. You could get the next job or it may be months before you get it. And that knowing how to save your money and rooming with people to save money. And you know, just there's just so much that's scary about it, but yet so much that's so fantastic about it that it's hard to say, go do this without at the same time going, I don't know if you really want to do this. It's a hard life, <laughs> you know? Well, she'll have to find out. And when we get off this call, maybe I can schedule a call for her during with her during the week yeah and she can fill me in on the schools that she's been to so far i mean i think anybody who wants to do anything should at least try it because oh, yeah. then you don't you never say oh i never tried it then you say okay i really gave it my all and that's just not with performing arts it's anything you have to you have to put yourself out there and say okay i'm gonna go for it yeah. because otherwise what's life then you know you're right, not living right. if you're not doing what you want to do. Yeah. The thing about the rejection and the self-loathing thing, I think... I think having a nice home base like you have provided you and your husband, maybe you've given her some tools so that she understands that it's just business and it doesn't mean it doesn't really mean anything when you get cut from something. Right. And what what I loved about our crew was that we had so much fun socializing that yes. auditions, yeah, auditions were auditions, but the times that we got together to just be with each other, that made 
made it all worthwhile in my book. And when I got to Atlantic City, I never had a group of friends like I had when we all got together. That was so much fun. And we all stayed friends. We're still friends yeah, oh, now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say, I know this sounds silly. The majority of my friends on Facebook are the people that I went to my performing arts high school with and that Atlantic City cast, that those are my predominant people that I have the most of because yeah. there was just something there that just, we all clicked. I was explaining to someone the other day that we did two full a chorus lines every single night six and nights the money we got paid. Yeah, six <laughs> nights a week. But you know what? I loved every minute of it. We were oh, yeah. young. We got so strong. And you know what? We didn't, I mean, the money we got paid was, was, was okay. It wasn't fantastic, but the housing was pretty awesome. Those beach houses. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. I mean, cold in the winter, but oh, the summer. <laughs> we had fun. We just had, it was a fun time and the right yeah. people were together and we had the late lovely Deborah Henry helping us out mm-hmm. and Bjork and uh-huh. Jerry stage manager. It was just mm-hmm. fun. I can't yeah, say enough fun. about it. It was fun. I would love to maybe write a book about it someday. I don't know. <laughs> but but how do you capture that? Like, it's like lightning in a bottle, you know? Yeah, it's just something that you remember. And you, as much as you want to share it with other people, they'll never, they'll understand that because everybody can relate to some kind of time where they had this click with a group or click with, click with your coworkers or something that was different than other jobs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could never explain just how it was because it was just yeah. so fun. So fun. How many colleges have you taken Elise to so far? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six. Wow. Yes. Wow. And then does it cost money to apply to all these? Some it does. Some it does not. The state schools, Temple, because uh, we're in Pennsylvania. So we she applied to Temple. She applied to Indiana University of Pennsylvania. We didn't have to pay fee because we are in state, but okay. she did have to pay to apply to a couple others. Now, some schools you can apply for a waiver, a financial waiver, depending on your financial situation. But we didn't do that because we did not qualify. What do you think about the cost of these programs? Well, it's interesting. And some of the schools charge you just, you know, like the school in Kentucky that she was looking at, Northern Kentucky University, which is where I went, their admission application fee is only $40. One of the other schools that she was considering applying to in Pittsburgh is Point Park University. Their application fee is $75, $50, but then there's a separate $100 pre-screen audition fee. So you pay them $100 just to look at your pre-screen. And then you still have to pay to go audition. You know, you still have to pay because we'd have to drive to Pittsburgh. That's five and a half hours. Chances are get a hotel room for the night. It's expensive, especially the audition process, because most of the schools want you to come in person. You could also go to the, they have the group auditions, the Unifieds and the Moonifieds, where you can come to just one place. But they're in New York City. They're in Chicago. So you're still talking about spending money to get into New York, terrain, parking. If you drive tolls, you might still end up spending the night if you live too far away. It's very expensive with all the auditioning and stuff. Cause, cause now we're going there twice. I mean, we, I guess we didn't have to, but she wanted to look at the school before she applied to the school. Cause she didn't feel like wasting her time applying to a school that she knew she wouldn't like to go to. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, of course. So now we have to go twice. Now we have to go once just to see the school for her to decide if she wants to apply. Now we have to go back for her in-person audition. So do you think families that are financially struggling, it's just not an option for them and that you, you might have someone who would be fantastic. They don't get to go to these programs. It doesn't mean they're not going to be a performer. Because you know, that's interesting think... that you bring that up. Because at the school we went to today, do you want me to say the name of it? 
You can. Yeah. Why not? At Montclair State University, which is in New Jersey. We went to an open house today and they specifically had a music theater major presentation. And the director of the department said one of the things that Montclair is specifically trying to do is in trying to make a more diverse department, they've realized a lot of what they have to do is make it more financially feasible to see these people that would like to be theater majors in college. And one of the problems they have is because auditioning for these schools is so expensive with the travel and everything, they're trying to figure out how can we make this more financially accessible for those with the less of a financial privilege uh, or situation, if you will. And that's one of the things they're starting to do is they realize they're going to have to do more audition tours to other cities other than Chicago and New York. They might have to come to Philly, go down to Virginia, go to other places that aren't, you can't just have two audition sites or three audition sites if you want to draw from other communities, you know, and to make it more financial possible, make them that you can submit digital auditions. You don't have to audition in person, which is a lot helps because a lot more schools now have computers and computer access. So a lot more and, and obviously cell phones and stuff. So there's more opportunity to submit digitally and that doesn't cost as much money. So that's one things that they specifically are looking at is how to make the audition process less of a financial strain. Yeah, because know? I can just, I recall this one actor who grew up very privileged. I'm not going to say the person's name, but this person grew up in a very wealthy town. And then this person's parents set them up in New York. And this person didn't have to work a survival job. All this person had to do was work on their craft and audition. Naturally, Broadway shows ensued. I'm not saying this person is not good because this person actually is quite good. But come on, like the setup. The setup. Yeah. But I think, I just think that going forward, these programs are way more expensive than when you and I went to school. When you oh, and I absolutely. went to school, the tuition, there was a major spike in this tuition in the last, I don't know how many years. Yeah. It's actually ridiculous. But that said, okay, so let's say your daughter goes to one of these programs and graduates. Mm-hmm. Then what? Then what happens? My big concern for all of the newcomers is that every single year, all of these programs graduate class, classes full, even if it's a small class, even if yeah. it's like 20 people. Yeah. There's still all these people entering the workforce and yes. which is great, but it's like, does Elise have any idea that it is so competitive and there's such a glut of performers compared to the amount of jobs? Yes. she. I think she is very much aware of that because uh, yeah. I've told her all about that. I mean, even, even when we were, you know, in our, I'll say me in my heyday because you're still working, you know, back in the late eighties, uh, early nineties, when I was really in New York and doing the thing, it was still, you know, cattle calls, literally the word cattle call, because there were so many of us, there was that then. And I've told her all about that and told her one, one I remember specifically was the Will Rogers Follies brand new show coming out at the time. I don't even think they knew quite what they were looking for. And they just put out a general call and every single chorus girl in New York city came to that call and there had, there was just hundreds of us. And I want to say, was it at Radio City? It might've been at Radio, it might've been at Radio City or I could be thinking of something else because it was so big. And I remember the first thing we did was walk in and they typed us out. They said, anybody under five foot six, thank you. And I'm like, why couldn't you have put that in the casting call? You know, because, right. and even then imagine all the girls over five foot six who went, you know, that only eliminated yeah. maybe 20% of us, <laughs> you know, I just remember. And so it, it can't be any easier nowadays because nowadays with all the digital input, 
a lot of people don't get to, they can send in their digital submissions first and then get pulled in for callbacks with other people. So now I feel like because you don't necessarily have to be there in person, the, the pool that they're pulling from is even bigger. So it's it is. more competitive because of that. Because now they're looking online because you've got the YouTube people and all of that. I feel it's even more competitive now than it was when we had to be there in person. You know, in order to audition for a Broadway show or a national tour, you had to be in New York or LA if they were having an LA call. And that was it. Those were the only two places you could be. Now you could be anywhere, you know, and submit something from your kitchen. Still have to eventually go to a callback, but that talent pool is now even bigger than it was. She doesn't seem to care about that because she's just so passionate about wanting to do theater. And for now, that's where she sees a career. She may change her mind eventually once college happens, you know, once she gets to college and goes and, and sees what it's like, she may change her mind, but that's okay because you're allowed to change your mind. If Absolutely. Well, speaking you. of that, you did a great transition. You did ASM, which is assistant stage managing, yes. but there were tracks for many years where you were both performing and stage managing because they would hire you to swing the show and ASM it. And I always thought that that was so cool, especially once you got married to Michael and you started traveling together. Didn't you have a big camper that you traveled with sometimes? We did. We had an RV that we traveled in for a That's couple pretty years. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So tell the listeners what you had to do. Let's say, I remember the last time we did the National of a Chorus Line, that was your track. So what was a typical day like for you? A typical day. So let's say it's a first week in the first city. So, so we're in a city and it's the, it's the first day. It's the load-in day. I would go to the load-in at 8 a.m. and I would act as a stage manager. I would, it was the assistant state, myself, the stage manager and the production stage manager. So there were three of us. We would go around to sign dressing rooms, put all the little signs up on the dressing room walls, make sure the sign was out in the front of house, make sure the playbills were correct. If we had any stuffers that needed to go in, we'd have the stuffers ready for the house, you know, for the front of house people. And then probably around one or one o'clock or so, I'd actually help with the lighting focus. All three of us did a different section of the lighting focus and I would do all the overhead stuff. So I would help with the lighting focus. I'd stand on stage with an electrician over my head and I'd say, okay, hot spot on me, cut it here, cut it there. And act Well, because you knew that, you know, the show so well. And a chorus line is all about your marks being in that light because the lighting plot is spectacular for a chorus line. It really is. So that was really helpful for them that you knew exactly where to stand. Yeah. Well, they also give you paperwork to tell you that too. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but now what about the numbers on the stage? Were those like stickers that you guys would put? Uh, Initially, yeah. They, when they put the Marley floor down, they would always, we traveled with our own, you know, Vario, Marley, whatever, vinyl flooring. And that was all pre-taped from our, very first product, you know, rehearsal from the very first rehearsal that we did on stage with, with our set and stuff that was all pre-taped down. So that was just pre-taped on the Marley and they always laid the Marley down exactly the same every time. So that never wow. changed. That that's, was always there. Okay. And yeah, same thing that's with great. the lines, you know, the upstage, midstage, downstage lines and stuff like that. Seems, I'm sorry. You, seems. <laughs> you're the one that really got me calling myself showgirl because I had a high school classmate try. She insulted me when we did Atlantic city. She told everybody in my hometown that I was quote, a showgirl in Atlantic city, which is a completely different thing than doing yeah. a chorus line. 
But I decided to flip the script and just, I, I started calling myself that and you made a printout for the dressing room. And that was back when computers were like pretty new and you did like some illustrations and I, I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is excellent. And you put it on the dressing room door, the, sh the showgirl. You were the first person to say the showgirl. So thank you, Denise, for that. Oh my God, I remember that. Oh, yeah, so and it stuck. It stuck. And guess what? I, I am using it as like my alter ego and my professional, you know, the showgirl tip of the day. There we go. Awesome. Oh, I'm so proud. I'm so honored, actually. It's for that. Yeah. Oh so, goodness. so you're, how many years did you ASM and perform? And then did you ever, you switched over to not performing and just stage management, right? Yes. Did, okay. In 92, 93, which was the Chorus Line Broadway Tour of America, I was the AS, ASM swing on that. And then after that, I did Joseph for a year and a half. And I was the swing and eventually became dance captain for that for the last couple months of the tour. And then got back into the chorus line again in 96. I don't even remember what they called that tour. And that's when we did it again. And it was, I was called like, they always threw the name Broadway in there. Like, I don't yeah, think it was, it wasn't the Broadway tour of America because that we officially closed that, but it was just right. another tour of chorus line that they, yeah. Oh, it was the 25th anniversary. Maybe. They were always dangling the carrot to us that we were going to go to Broadway. And yes. we're like, yes. yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah okay, when? <laughs> tell us yeah. when and we'll exactly. be there. But then that tour, they actually, I went into the audition. And while I was at the audition, Mark Krauss, who was the production stage, he was going to be the production stage manager on that tour, actually said to me, do you have a calling script of this show? And I said, yes, I do. He goes, okay, that's really good to know. And I was like, okay. And then I, I was actually in DC at the time with Joseph. I had flown up for the audition for Chorus Line because we knew our Joseph tour was closing. So I thought, hmm, I wonder if that means I have the job because <laughs> he may have to hire me just to get his hands on my calling script from the last tour. Well, listen. But they you did. got the goods. They did. Yeah, good. And I said I would Please. focus the lights. That was like during yeah. the afternoon. And then once like sound check hit, I went back to being an ensemble member because I had to sing in the offstage mics and stuff like that for sound check. And some nights I'd have to go on as some nights on a Tuesday night, if it was a load and I'd have to go on as Trisha or Lois or. Did you ever feel resentful towards us that didn't have the extra work because we would just like come in, tip in? Were oh, you no, ever like, okay, no, because I was cause... living the best of both worlds. Yeah, I had the performer world and I had the crew world. So it was kind of, it was fun. I was like, I, I, I had such a great rapport with both the crew and the cast and it just, it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. Well, first of all, shout out to all the crews because yes. without the crews, we can't perform. And the crews are always the nicest, kindest, sometimes gritty kind of people, but sometimes just <laughs> like always salt of the earth, always amazing. I love when a crew member is like a little gruff and they'll just tell you no, like no filter. They'll just be like, you stunk. <laughs> like okay true. thank you it's true because <laughs> they because they see it all but then then when they praise you like I used to work at McHale's in between jobs and when Hugh Jackman started the boy from Oz one of the crewmen came in for his beer for his mid-afternoon beer and I said <laughs> Freddie I go Freddie how is Hugh Jackman and he said let me tell you something Michelle 
not since Angela Lansbury have I worked with such a star. And I was like, okay, wow, you heard it from Freddie. If Freddie says it, then because they don't throw praise around, you yeah. know, lightly. Yeah. What made you stop dancing? I stopped dancing when I finished that chorus line tour in 96, spring of 97. We finished that, I think, in May of 97. And the production stage manager, Mark Kraus, said, I've got a tour lined up for the fall of Dreamgirls. Will you come be my assistant stage manager? And I said, sure. Will I be swinging his well? He goes, no, because equity has eliminated that position. That's when we rev- there was a new contract, a new vote on the production contract, and they decided to eliminate the swing ASM slot. You could have a swing and an ASM, but they couldn't be both. So the position was eliminated unless you were already under contract for a production, which it was grandfathered into that production. But yeah. because Dreamgirls was a new production and, and I wouldn't be swinging the show. And I was like, well, it, chances are the possibility of being a swing for that show is very limited because of the casting of the show. You know, it, I would have been very limited to being cast in that show to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. So it kind of just evolved and it your did. position totally evolved. It evolved. And because you knew Mark Krause, he offered you the next job. So yes. to the listeners, very often the jobs that you have will get you your next jobs. If you get along with the people with whom you work and you do a good job, definitely. I mean, you and I worked for Bioark for so many years, you yes. know, that was a blessing, such a blessing and a gift. Now, out of all of the gigs that you had, what was your favorite? The tour of Joseph. Okay. It was for, mainly because first of all, it was a year and a half. It was a long tour and to have that length of time on a show is always fantastic. You know, of course I could have left if I wanted to, but I chose, you know, I was very happy with that tour and I was a swing for that show. And it was such a fun, silly show that it really never like, didn't really drain you or anything. I mean, physically it was always very demanding of course, but it wasn't like dramatic. It wasn't, you know, it was just a fun, silly show, lots of costume changes, lots of fun dancing. And it was only an hour and 20 minutes with intermission. (laughs) So it was like, oh my gosh. So it, I think that was, that was my favorite to, to do. It really was. Great cast, great crew, great itinerary, which always helps. You know, Florida in the wintertime, things like that are always nice. Yeah. Although Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in January was not very fun. <laughs> Our eyelashes I, which actually have ice crystals on them walking the two blocks from the theater to the hotel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, Denise, time has gone by. Tell everybody what you're doing in this job and where you live now, because I always admire and respect you because you work so hard. And you really encouraged me back in the day just by your actions. Like you didn't tell me anything, but I saw you saving money. I saw you buy a house and I was like, oh, I guess I better stop buying shoes and put my money in the bank. Yeah, I think I have eight pair of shoes, just so you know. (laughs) I'm not a shoe person. I think it's because A, I don't go out a lot and B, at work, I have to wear sensible shoes now, not high heel character shoes. So and I'm not spending money on fancy character shoes. So there's that. <laughs> I know. Those, um, and they're so expensive now. They are. So now I work for a company called Garrett's International. We are a company that provides soft goods, draperies, scrims, projection screens, and also the hanging equipment for said stuff as well for theatrical and event venues and architectural situations. We also do vinyl flooring. I did not realize when we were in our heyday that Marley is actually a brand name of flooring. It's all considered vinyl flooring. Ours is called Vario. That is our brand name, but it's all vinyl flooring. 
I always thought Marley was what it was made out of. I was incorrect. <laughs> and I'm a seamstress there. Whoever thought I would have been a seamstress, luckily, when I was very young, uh, I watched my mom sew just some of our outfits when we were little nothing fancy, just some cute little shorts and stuff like that. And she taught me how to basically sew a straight line and how to sort of make a pleat. I wasn't very good at it. But in turn, I took that little knowledge that I had. And I went to a job interview of a place that was looking for over, they were looking for over hire, mainly somebody to just come in and cut fabric. And I'm like, Oh, I can cut fabric. So I went in an audition. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I interviewed. Hi. I let me sing while I cut this fabric for you. Uh, I interviewed with them and they ended up bringing me on just as an overhire to cut. They were doing these drapes that were only three feet high. So they had to split all this fabric and cut all this fabric for this big job in Princeton. And they liked me because I had a theatrical background because this is a company that hired seamstresses just because they could sew. They had no idea necessarily what exactly they were sewing for. But I was like, Oh, I know what legs are and borders are and scrims are and bobinets are. And I mean, I can't tell you what, when you would choose to use a scrim and when a bobinet, but I know the difference between the two. I know what it means if it's going to be stretched on a frame or if it's going to be hanging free. I know what upstage and downstage is so that I know stage right, stage left. So I had a very, very, very good working knowledge of what I was actually making as opposed to the other girls who were just making drapes. They're all amazing seamstresses, by the way. I was not. And they did a sewing test with me and we were like, you're not good now, but you have the skill that we could teach you. And so they did. They they brought me on just as over hire. I would work a couple days every month. Like like anytime they'd get a big job, they'd call me. And that worked fine because at the time, at least my daughter was in third grade. So I kind of needed to be home, you know, most of the time when she wasn't in school. So they were great about me coming in just a couple hours a day and doing cutting for them when they had big jobs. And eventually they helped me. They brought me in just to work on the sewing and stuff. And now that's what I do all the time. I just yeah. love how one thing always leads to the next. And yes, how far is your job from your home? 12 miles. Yeah. So come on, you can't beat that. And I, I think it's exciting. When the pandemic hit, I bought a portable floor from your company. I still use it. I use it every Good. day, actually. Yeah, Good. I love it. It saved my knees. Iris. Oh, do you have any have advice to do. for people? Okay, cool. Um, Gosh, well, what we talked about before, it's who you know. Always be nice to people. Try not to burn bridges because it's always who you know. Every job I've ever gotten is all other than that first one was because of who I knew I oh no I take that back I moved to New York because of someone I knew I was doing a show I was in a theme park show in Ohio Kings Island theme park in Cincinnati Ohio I was doing a show and one of my fellow castmates said I've got this great place in New York it's a it's in Astoria it's a you know it's a studio but it's a, a great apartment I need a roommate he goes come up just come up for like six weeks and I was like you know what I've got enough money saved. I'm going to do it. And, you know, my mom was like, very, mom and dad were very supportive and it was great. So I did. I, I packed a couple suitcases and I flew up to New York and I stayed there for six weeks. And in those six weeks, he taught me the opening number to chorus line in the in the futon area of the apartment. And I went to the audition. I went to a couple auditions. There were two chorus line auditions at the time. One was for Paper Mill and one was for this non-union bus and truck. I went to both of them and I ended up getting cast in the bus and truck. I believe he got cast in the Paper Mill production, but I'm not sure. But because of him saying, you need to come to New York, you need 
need to do it because of who I knew. That person is Andy Blankenbuehler, five-time Tony Award-winning choreographer. I don't know well, if he that remembers was a me, plot twist. <laughs> I think he'd probably remember me. I haven't seen him or talked to him in years just because our paths have never crossed since 1990, I guess. That's a plot 91. twist. I did not even yeah. know that you knew him. Yes, we were. And by the way, listeners, yeah, he's choreographed Hamilton. Yes, and Annie on Broadway and in the Heights. Yeah. Not in the Heights. No, in the Heights, didn't he? Wait, is, isn't that Sergio Trujillo? No, that's Sergio. I'm sorry. Bring it on. I was thinking of bring it on. You're right. Sergio's in the Heights. Bring it on. Bandstand. Yes. Last year. Yeah. And then right. Didn't he just did the Cats movie? I Fantastic. Believe. Yeah. You should reach out to him. You should be like, hey. I should, I should one of these days. Thank you, Denise, for coming on. I really appreciate your time and good luck. Please tell Elise we're rooting for her and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Show, show.